We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. And we're good. So welcome in, everybody. It is the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman, and he is riding a high because the last three days we've had media availability, media availability, practice, coaches, uh, coordinators, players. It's been like it's felt, Zach, after the, the this desert of an NFL offseason slash spring post-draft. You know, it was like a smorgasbord. But uh, I wanted to get your thoughts. First things first, though, titled the episode around this. There's a lot we're going to get into from what's been what's been said and just kind of some of the news and rumors. But, Zach, tell us about the P. Ryan injury and what's going on also with uh, Drew Sanders and Marvin Mims. About P. Ryan, he left yesterday's practice with an apparent thumb injury. He got looked at, and today Sean Payton said it's a bruised thumb. He has no concern about it, and he was a little testy. It's pretty funny if you read the transcript of the quote, uh, because Mike Kliss asked about P. and he cut him off, Payton did, and said, listen, that's as in-depth as I'll go. I'm going to let you ask the question, though, but just to be forewarned, I love the alpha energy exuded by Sean Payton almost every press conference, but P. Ryan, no problem. He was actually on the field today for the Broncos' final I guess you can call it a walkthrough. It was a glorified practice and uh, no problem there. They're also optimistic about Javante Williams coming back from his knee surgery as well. And about uh, Sanders and Marvin Mims, they've been dinged up a little bit throughout the offseason program. They've missed chunks of OTAs or uh, minicamp, but they worked off to the side. And as Sean Payton said, they've kept mentally sharp with uh, the offense and the defense. They've been invested. They've been nose to the grindstone. He doesn't seem concerned about them either. And fortunately, now that minicamp is over, they have six weeks until training camp to get right. So they should be fully healthy heading into uh, heading into camp. Man, Sean Payton is as tight-lipped as it gets when it comes to injuries. Like he will... He will uh, acknowledge if there is an injury. You'll have to, in most cases, Zach, like literally try and drill him to even get the nature of the injuries, specifics, what it is. For example, the Drew Sanders, Marvin Mims thing, no one knows what's actually wrong with him. He wouldn't even tell him what, right. say what was wrong with him. He was so brief. And it came, Zach, on the heels of that Pirine stuff where he kind of was cutting off Cliss and just not in a, not in a, uh, I almost used a naughty word I shouldn't use, not in a a hole 
kind of way. All right. But just like this is the way it is. And I'm letting you know, if you want to waste your time asking me a question that you're not going to get answered by all means, you know, this is your shot at the plate. You want to waste it. Go ahead. And so when he by the time he got to the Drew Sanders, Marvin Mims stuff, uh, no one dared really follow up on. Well, but coach, can you at least tell us what's going on with this? Guy? So by all appearances, though, Zach, the, the injuries to the Broncos top two drafted rookies this year appeared to be just minor, not serious. Nothing, it seems anyway, Zach, that the six-week break between now and when training camp starts uh, won't fix. It's such a refreshing change of attitude uh, from a Broncos head coach. I was actually having a Twitter exchange with uh, Dylan Von Arks, you know, MHH's own, and uh, he said no more doormats when it comes to the alpha energy that Sean Payton exudes, and I couldn't echo that anymore. I read that uh, Nathaniel Hackett, I hate to even bring up his name, is on a hugging fest in New York as the OC there. I'm, so, I'm just so glad he's not our problem anymore, Chad, and the Broncos have a legitimate adult in charge. Have you ever seen the, uh, by the way, Dylan, you the man, brother. Dylan's got an article coming out tonight after the podcast yeah. at milehighhuddle.com, guys, so check it out. And heed his words. Make sure you like the button. <laughs> Make sure you hit the like button uh, on the way in. I need some of that. Where's that caffeine water? Um, anyway, uh, thank you, Dylan. So look forward to that. Um, I lost my train of thought, though. What, what was it? What was it? We were talking about Peyton. Oh, yeah, but now I lost it. Dang it. I got – I got. Uh, it'll come back to me. Hang tight. David McElrath, what's going on, big dog? Great to see the – uh, the Papa Bear, as he is known in, in his neck of the woods. Really appreciate you jumping in early with a super chat, letting us feel the love, big dog, before we even go live. Like, it really means a lot to us. So thank you, my friend. He's just wishing everybody a, a good evening with some very apropos hashtags, MHH for life, Buckham times three with a B, YouTube, and Denver Box for life. Love you, big dog. And of course, uh, it would not be a Mile High Huddle podcast without Michael Ronquillo also throwing down, showing some love, some words of encouragement. Always great to see you, my friend. We're looking forward to uh, chatting with you tonight. We'll see what's what's going on. And look who it is, Michaela Israel, rocking her jersey that she uh, she won from uh, the May raffle. So looking good, awesome, awesome. Great to see you. Glad it got to you. Okay, she uh, as you can see, she went with the Russ, the the home orange Russ jersey. So uh, good evening, right back at you, Michaela. Give our best to Cooper. Um, okay. Back to, uh, back to what we were talking about, man, I'm really pissed, but I'm going to go ahead and segue back to, to, uh, some of the other topics I wanted to get to, but, um, as it relates to Vance Joseph. So for the first time since he came back to Denver, we got to hear from him, uh, yesterday on, on Wednesday, what were some of your takeaways from the extremely low voiced, Vance John Vance Joseph. I have to like crank my volume, dude. Even when I put on headphones, I'm like, yo, dude, stand up to the mic. He's talking very low. Um, first of all, like I told you yesterday in our uh, private chat, I, it was kind of weird and surreal to see VJ behind the podium again. It took me right back to 2017 when he was the Broncos head coach, but he talked about that as well. Of course, he that's the first time we've got to hear from the coordinators in months, was on Wednesday, and he was asked. You know, when you left Denver, did you harbor any ill will? And he gave a very classy answer to that question. He said, I worked my butt off, you know, for those couple years I was the head coach. It didn't work out, but that's the business. He feels like he's grown as a D.C. and he's uh, happy to be home, as it were, in uh, Colorado and Denver. So he can sound good, you know, literally and figuratively right now, but I'm still a little apprehensive about what that defense is going to look like on the field come September. 
honestly, I think it's fair for people to have some misgivings because of how things ended with Vance Joseph. But I, I liked a couple of things that he said, and I'll paraphrase him um, because I don't want to pull up a tab and slow down um, StreamYard here. But one of the things I liked is when he was asked about, you know, basically how do you overcome maybe some of the bad feelings of being fired? Like anytime someone's fired from a job, I don't care who you are, you know, you're, there's going to at least be some resentment, but maybe not in the case of Vance Joseph, because he went on to say, and again, paraphrasing that, look, I don't carry any of those kind of feelings in my heart because what happened to me was fair. This is a league of winning. He said, and I couldn't get it done. I worked my butt off, but it didn't work. And so, it was fair. What happened to me? I got two years basically to, to, to try and make it work. And I couldn't. So I don't hold that against anybody. That's the way the league is. Um, I really like that aspect, Zach, because I actually, in the case of Vance Joseph, I believe him. I think if he was honestly harboring anything, I don't think he really would have come back. I mean, there's always that, there's gotta be some level of pride in you that is going to have, you know, at least a sliver of resentment. Like I'm going to show you there somehow, some way, but, uh, that, that jumped out to me. I don't think he was all that broken up, though, after he was fired. Don't forget. And I just rewatched this on Twitter yesterday. In fact, the Johnny Bolin back of the car limo, whatever they were in, he was partying and he didn't seem all that upset about it. But um, one thing that stuck out to me was he had other opportunities when he was let go by Arizona and he chose specifically to follow Sean Payton at Denver. So it's more affirmation that the Sean Payton hire was a crucial turning point for the franchise and the biggest blessing the franchise has been bestowed since Peyton Manning put pen to paper. We also learned that VJ is keeping, has kept a home in Denver. So that also made the decision a little bit more convenient to return. Uh, George Fox, what's going on, big dog. Have you received your Jersey yet? Let us know when you get it, uh, my friend. He says, what is your opinion on Patrick Sertan II being a punt returner? Hate not it. Sure I, I like that, he says. Denver, I, not sure I like that, he says. Denver Bronx for life, MHH for life. Zach, you had the article for us on this. You can break it down. Yeah, basically, Sean Payton said that, you know, every player has a role, and if he's needed and called upon, he'll be ready. And it's something, apparently, that since come out that Patrick Sertan has pushed, not the other way around, to return punts. He's the one that wants to get back there and field some kicks. He mentioned on the Pat McAfee show today that he has experience. And I did some research. I went on Max Preps, and I found out that in his junior year in high school, he returned punts and actually had a 40-yard return, which he said was pretty good film. So he's kind of eager to get back there, and um, the Broncos seem okay Unlike last year when Dwayne Stukes said the idea was idiotic, Sean Payton is embracing the idea, but I don't like it at all. That's why you drafted Marvin Mims. That's why you drafted Montreal Washington. That's why, as of now, you have K.J. Hamler on the roster. That's why you signed Tremont Smith in free agency. I mean, pick anybody else but the Broncos' best defensive player and arguably the Broncos' best player overall. Yeah, I don't, I don't love it either. I think it's really just a contingency thing in terms of the – we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Practical application of how it might come out in the wash, but you're right. This is not the days of of your, you know, this is not Deion Sanders, Mr. Right. I can do it all. Uh, when, you, when you have other options, there's just no reason to, I mean, that's literally punt returning. Think of it this way. Punt returning, I see it. Uh, punt returning is literally like the most dangerous job in the NFL. It's it, that and kick returning, and then you can start splitting hairs over other things. But why would you expose literally your best player unnecessarily to the highest risk uh, job, basically, in the league? You don't, unless you don't have a choice, right? But even think back to when Champ Bailey first got here following the Clinton Portis trade uh, 04. We heard that whole summer that he was here. Oh, man. You know, everybody knows Champ, the, the corner that thrived and, and, and really emerged as a pro bowler in Washington. But guess what? He can do so much more. He's going to be used on offense. He's going to be used on special teams. And outside of the first game of that debut year he had, Zach, in uh, Denver, where he ran a couple of routes as a wide receiver, none of that stuff ever came to fruition because Mike Shanahan, smart enough to know, I'm not going to unnecessarily risk my guy, this asset, uh, when I have other guys that could do the job. Uh, Scott, let's see it. Throw it throw it up, dude. Let's see what we got here from uh, I do him Coach. with Sertan. Pun return. Yeah, look, I, I want – look, all of these guys are, are going to have roles and, you know, you, 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 you start asking questions and, and you start getting answers, and he did in high school, and so – um, I want to know who we're going to if number one's not ready. I want to know, you know, if um, you, you want to get – look, there's 40, 53 in your roster, 47 game day, and if I need a gunner taken out of the game, then who better to do that than Patrick? That's what he does for a living. And, and so um, – it's not just offense go over here, defense go over here, and the kicking game go over here. I watched Lawrence Taylor in a game at the Giants where they were winning pretty handily, and the team they were playing came back with a couple kick returns. And I watched Lawrence Taylor remove about five guys on the kick coverage unit and brought defensive players out and just lined them up and covered a kick. And that's when you got something. And so these are snaps. There's snaps in a game that are valuable. And so if Sertan can help us as a returner when needed, then uh, we'll have him ready, ready. Um, that's, that's, the, that's the operative word there, Zach, if needed, right, or when needed, whatever the verbiage he used. I just, you know, you mentioned a point unless it comes to that, but there shouldn't be a point where it would come to that. Let's say Montrell's hurt. Let's say Marvin Mims is hurt. All God forbid, by the way, Tremont Smith, um, Montrell Washington, all the other return options are out and unavailable pick anybody else literally anybody else but Patrick Sertan to be the punt returner he mentioned snaps on special teams I did some research PS2 only played 11 snaps on specials last year compared to 1100 on defense so I I don't see a scenario where you would risk having him back there to maybe break off a 10 20 yard return at best 
I, I don't like the idea at all. I disagree with him. Yeah, and I wouldn't worry too much about it. Again, this this is very reminiscent to me of Mike Shanahan with Champ Bailey. Look, we've got uh, we got Troy in the house. What's going on, brother? Great to see you. Thank you for the super chat tonight, my friend. He says, hey, guys, love the reports that Sean Payton has everyone's attention, even all the coaches at all times, and the comparisons to Mike Shanahan. Feels like everything on track so far. Yeah, it really does, Zach, feel like, you know, when we would talk about in the offseason how, uh, you know, during the coaching hunt and the pursuit and all that, you get what you pay for. I think the Broncos paid the price, and the early returns on what they're getting in, in exchange have been more than encouraging. And I think that uh, when it comes out in the wash and the final analysis, no one's going to be thinking twice about the first-round pick that uh, the Broncos had to give up to the Saints and the, the uh, you know the other compensation. No one's going to be thinking about how much money he's making. They're just going to be thanking their lucky stars that the Broncos are no longer a doormat in the NFL. I mean, that's why you pay him the big bucks, though. You don't shell out $18 million a year for a first-timer or for an inexperienced or unaccomplished head coach. There's a reason why he was targeted. There's a reason why Greg Penner went all out for Sean Payton because he's been there before. And several Broncos players have talked about that. That's why they've all bought in, bought in, excuse me, to the culture and to the message and to the 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 energy that Sean Payton wants to institute throughout the locker room because he's been there. Because he's so I, I think it's money well spent, Chad. And you're right. If they win, no one's gonna care about his price tag. Now, if they lose, that'll come up. But I don't see the Broncos doing that much losing this season. Come on, snap back into play, StreamYard. There we go. Uh word. David Wilder, what's going on, brother? Great to see you. I feel like it's been a minute, Zach, since we've seen one of our longtime Super Chat superstars, David Wilder, still loyally rocking his Mile High Huddle t-shirt on his YouTube profile pic. Love it. He says, good evening, Chad, Zach, Scott, and Broncos country. I believe Vance will be a great defensive coordinator, even though he wasn't a great head coach. MHH for life, Denver Broncos for life. Yeah, I, I think, um, look, Zach, I, I totally think it's fair to have misgivings and apprehensions and a little anxiety over Vance Joseph considering, um, you know, how things shook out in Denver and also considering his, his, uh, you know, resume as a coordinator, relatively speaking, I am not worried about it. Another reason why I've, I've been encouraged, you know, actually hearing from players this week. I mean, again, Sean Payton just going like out of control to only give, access to players and coaches when it's like literally mandated by the league. Like he's not trying to give any additional glimpses, no, no additional opportunities for anything to, you know, catch fire and leave the building. But I'm, I'm digressing. I loved hearing from a few different players um, this past week. Well, within the last, this week's of media availability, Zach and last week when they talked about, you know, Hey, what do you, what, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? What is this new Vance Joseph scheme? What we're hearing is that this is not Vance Joseph coming into town and saying, here's my 3-4 scheme that you all remember from 2017 to 2018. Learn it. He's coming in and he's talking to the vets. He's talking to the two defensive coach holdovers. And he's saying, all right, let's figure out how to meld these things. Let's let's figure out how to take the core philosophies that I treasure value as, as a coordinator with my scheme, which, again, he is an acolyte of Wade Phillips. It, it's basically – Vance Joseph's spin on the Wade Phillips defense. And let's kind of marry that with what Vic's been doing, basically the Vic scheme that's been in Denver for the previous four years when you count as Euro Evero. 
And Justin Simmons talked about how that's happening. And it's not just um, attaching the same verbiage to different things. Like it's, it's more than that. It's schematic stuff that they are working in that Joseph is allowing the players with their input and the coaches that were holdovers with their input, he's weaving it together. And that encourages me because it just shows a, a, a couple things, recognition of, Hey, they played some dang good defense since I've been gone. Uh, and also like a willingness and an openness to go, look, I don't know everything. And I want to, I want to use the things that, that work and, and deploy them as assets in my scheme moving forward. David McElrath will get this one next big dog, but that has encouraged me with, uh, with VJ. You mentioned something and I feel like we buried the lead a little bit because VJ talked about following in Wade Phillips footsteps and being a former Broncos coach coming back as DC and winning a championship. You know, some coaches are better as number twos than number ones. And maybe VJ is the same way. Another thing that stuck out to me about the press conference uh, yesterday, the amount of talent on the defensive staff, not just VJ, but those who work under him, Christian Parker, Marcus Dixon, Michael Wilhoyt. There's a lot of coaches who could be future DC candidates, and it's only going to benefit VJ and the defense overall working with that much talent. Man, I've been a little bit surprised at how much everyone is gushing over Christian Parker. So we'll put a pin in that and just talk about it here in a minute. But David says, uh, Sean Payton has been teaching situational football. I would say yes, and it's even more than teaching. Like it's been a massive emphasis uh, for the Broncos this offseason is, you know, we talked about this a little bit um, on uh, Monday night, Zach, but if you go back in time, I mean, just this past season, for example, we'll we'll include the we'll, we'll just keep it within the Russell Wilson era. Anytime the Denver Broncos were in a critical situation, whether it was third down, fourth down, red zone, end of game, end of quarter, stuff like that, time and time again, they showed that they were not prepared for those situations. And Sean Payton is the epitome of that, the opposite of that in terms of you know, the, the, the decisions and the things that happen in real time as we're watching on a Sunday and we're marveling at, oh, wow, they moved the chains on a third and six. Oh, wow, they converted a, a touchdown on third and goal from the 11. All those things were decisions that were made in some cases this offseason. But you get to the season, these are things that they've prepared for, hashed out contingencies, got ready for like Wednesday. That's ready to go if and when the Broncos get into this situation with this down and distance, this situation, da, da, da. And it's just a like attention to detail and almost Zach, a maniacal joy for the nuances of football that have frankly been lacking in Denver. It's one thing, and then I'm going to serve this back to you. It's one thing for a Vic Fangio to be talking about death by inches and attention to detail and da, 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 da. But it never came out in the wash. All right. And he didn't have a track record as a head coach to really hang his hat on any of that stuff. Anyway, it was just sounded good. Right. It was just good sound bites that persuaded John Elway to hire him. Whereas with Sean Payton, we have a 15 year track record to sink your teeth into in terms of measuring and weighing what we're seeing, what we're hearing right now as a Broncos year one coach versus his resume. I think we've been deprived so long of competent coaching that we're celebrating Sean Payton, the head coach, teaching situational football. That's what all good coaches do. But because the Broncos have not had a good coach since Gary Kubiak, we haven't experienced that. But the biggest dichotomy in last year's coach, Nathaniel Hackett, and this year's coach, Sean Payton, 
was a uh, an answer he gave yesterday when he was asked about if he'll have a practice on the final day of minicamp. And a lot of coaches like to call off the final day and have a field day or a team bonding or whatever. Nathaniel Hackett was asked about it last year, and he said he'll have to look at the tape before making a decision. They ended up canceling the practice. They had a field day. When Sean Payton was asked about it, he goes, it'll be a much shorter practice, but it'll be practice. It's exactly what they need. They haven't earned that field day. They haven't earned those days off. They have to get in there and grind and work to get better. And what I love about Sean as well is he's so blunt. Yeah, they've been working situational football, but he tells it like it is. He said there were too many flags in practice the other day. And he goes, before you learn how to win, you have to learn how not to lose. It's it's just elementary stuff that a good coach instills from day one. And the Broncos finally have a good coach. Thank God. Uh, For those who maybe jumped into the stream uh, recently, you weren't here at the top of the show. This this, this episode is titled around the injuries and the injury bug biting uh, minicamp. Samaj P. Ryan, minor thumb injury, no problem. Return to practice, going to be okay. Uh, Drew Sanders and Marvin Mims, minor injuries where they were out of practice, still working on the sideline with trainers, going to be okay. Sean Payton made basically said it was no big deal. So that's that's who's been banged up and the, the noteworthy names this week. But the Broncos are going into the six-week summer. Before training camp, they're going to have plenty of time uh, to uh, heal up. So, uh, Phil. Great to see you, brother, down in Tucson, proving Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is, in fact, a state of being, saying, good evening, Chad, Zach, and Deacon Scott. You guys think uh, Marquez Callaway will make the team? Buck them, he says, MHH for life. Go Broncos, and yes, congrats to the Nuggets. Big congrats to the Nuggets. I'll, we'll talk about that here in a minute, but Zach, what do you think? Callaway making this roster? They signed him for a reason, but someone has to go. They have, I think, 12 receivers on the offseason squad right now. Obviously, they're not going to take 12 on the 53, so they're going to have to make some drastic pairing at that unit. But you break it down, the top four are safe, Chad. Unless they trade Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy, which I don't think they will at this point. You have Sutton, Judy, Tim Patrick, and Marvin Mims. They're locks. If they keep five, it's a battle between Montreal, you know, Kendall Hinton, Marquez Calloway, um, KJ well, Hamler. Little Jordan Humphrey. Humphrey. Yeah, they're two former Saints receivers the Broncos picked up. If they do keep five, I think Callaway's the fifth. And if they keep six, I feel like Callaway's a lock. If only because he's the big body possession receiver that Sean Payton covets and who Sean Payton coached in New Orleans. So I think he has like a 70% chance of making the team. Plus that last year that Payton was in New Orleans, I mean, Callaway popped, you know, half a dozen touchdowns in a season where pardon me, he didn't really start that many games. Like he was a force to be reckoned with, but I'm not sure. Here's my take to this question. Zach is I think there will be one bridge receiver that makes this roster, even if it's not the 53, but they're kept on the practice squad because you know how the new practice squad rules benefit teams that they can call them up on game day and put them back without exposing them to the wave wire waiver wire a couple of times. I think either Callaway or Humphrey will be kept whether it's the 53 or the practice squad for that purpose, just as a bridge, as a guy that, you know, can help uh, translate the scheme or different points of emphasis that might be new to these uh, Broncos receivers. Cause he's, they've been with Sean in the past, but that's not necessarily a guarantee of either guy making the roster. A lot of this to me, Zach has stems from the answer to this stems from what's going to happen. What's going on with KJ Hamler. It's his four, you know, when we heard about his, his off season peck, Injury. Is it a four or is it a six month 
timetable because if it's a four month best case scenario four month you're getting him back about the time uh training camp starts or would it be august i'm trying to remember when it was was it march that we learned about this or was it later into the off season might have been a little bit later actually so like august being the best case scenario probably for kj still i don't think i think he's a guy that they they just go look we're, we're gonna go ahead and put you on the pup and then if we have a need if we think we need you come, you know, week six or whatever it is, we'll use you. But if he has some kind of a miraculous recovery, that's an X factor because he is a second round pick heading into a contract year. Broncos do have an, uh, a vested interest in seeing what's there with him because this might be it for KJ Hamler. And what a what a sad thing it would be, Zach, if his contract year and his Bronco tenure ended on such a whimper. I mean, if you look at the number of games this cat could have been uh could have played in since arriving as a second round pick back in 2020 versus the number of games he has appeared on or appeared in pardon me it, it's it's quite depressing it's quite stark and to me it really kind of already tells the tale of what the decision is is going to be for the Broncos barring a miraculous recovery and almost like perfect availability throughout the season i think kj uh might might have to get used to living in people's basements yeah. if he can't turn the Go ship on. around if he can't get a little help because he's a great, talented receiver. I love him. I really do. There's so much to love about him. But, dude, uh, the injury bug is no respecter of persons. And for whatever reason, it's taken us a, a great interest in KJ. Yeah, you, you said what the joke I was going to make, KJ. He of Tim Patrick's basement. You had a good write-up about that, Chad. And uh, good guy, Tim Patrick, taking in KJ, letting him live in his man cave, and they're rehabbing injuries together. I don't know. I, I would still like to see KJ get m one more shot because they don't have many speed merchant receivers on their roster. But when he's healthy, I feel like you just hinted at they're going to either cut him or look to trade him or Montreal. One of those two guys is on the chopping block. They're very tenuous job security right now. It would not surprise me if they head into week one and KJ's off the roster. Um. Yes. Thank you, Scott. As you can see on the ticker, KJ Hamler as a Bronco in 50 possible games. In 50 possible games, 23 appearances. So missed more than half of uh, the games, possible games, since arriving as a second round pick, which it really is heartbreaking. It's a bummer, but Broncos have fish to fry. That's the problem, so, though, Chad, when you draft injured, injury prone players. He was injury prone in college and true. he came to the NFL, immediately got injured. That's the. Um, the twist of fate you tempt by doing that. Lawrence with some massive stars on Facebook. Really appreciate you, my friend. Great to see you in the chat tonight. Means the world to us, big dog. He says, what up, guys? Best day ever. I've been to three championship parties in Denver now. Broncos, Avs, Nuggets. And uh, Go Boat gave me a Go, Go Boat gave me a free trolling motor. Okay, cool. For shipping problems today. Great Father's Day gift. Time to rewatch today's show. Rad to hear things are things are going well uh, <clears throat> for Lawrence, which is awesome. That's really cool, man. Uh, appreciate you. On the subject of the Nuggets, they got it done. They got it done. Loved seeing it. What a celebration today. The Broncos kind of uh, curtailed some of the stuff they had planned relative to uh, media access and player availability so that the local press corps could be at the, the celebration in the city today which I thought was kind of cool, but at the same time as someone who's just been dying for uh, more and more access to just hearing what the players are saying, the coaches, this and that, I, I got to admit I was a little bit bummed about that, but definitely not bummed that the Nuggets brought home another pro championship 
to Denver, and there is a commemorative issue of Sports Illustrated, the Denver Nuggets championship issue, uh, that if you guys want to get one, which I would suggest that you do, if you're a Nuggets fan, that's definitely something you're going to get your hands on. Um, I'll drop the link in the chat. You guys go pick that up because it's available right now. City of champions, baby. You know, first the, the Avs and then the Nugs and maybe the Broncos next. Um, watching the parade today, though, the festivities, I kind of wished I covered the Nuggets, if only to cover Joker. I mean, that guy is so laid back, is so chill, and so unintentionally funny. He said after winning finals MVP that he didn't want to go to the parade. He wanted to go home immediately to Serbia, which, you know, I get. That's a big part of his life is his family. But then today he was on the uh, the stage celebrating the, uh, the the title win and goes, I don't want to go to parade. Now I want to stay at effing parade. It's just in his native tongue. <laughs> yeah. It was so right. great. I'm so happy for the city of Denver. So happy for the Nuggets. And uh, let's keep the championship vibes going. What did you make, by the way, Zach, uh, shifting back to the Broncos here, what did you make of Joe Lombardi, new offensive coordinator, his first remarks on the public uh, level since being hired as as OC in Denver? Anything that he had to say yeah. that jumped out to you? And specifically some of his thoughts maybe on on Russell Wilson. Yeah. That, that's what it was to me. He said that it's basically muscle memory with Russ. And in other words, Russ has done things a certain way for so long, and they're kind of undoing that process and teaching him a new way. And, you know, by all accounts, Russ is really taking to it and uh, growing and, and leading a, a pretty solid, disciplined offense in practice. Uh, Sean Payton mentioned they were pretty good on third down and efficient the other day in practice as well. So, uh the thing is with Lombardi, if you read any Chargers fans' account of him, they despise the guy. I mean, like Pat Shermer levels of um, hatred. But right. he's not going to be the play caller. He's going to be just another voice for Sean Payton, help with game planning and prepping this and that. And he's a quarterback guru, something of it. So if he can help Russ improve, because that, as all we all, as we all know, is the key to the season, I'm, I'm happy with him. Um. I'm curious. Let me find, make sure I'm looking at the right thing here. Uh, stand by. But I'm curious if this specific line he dropped. Um, oh, man, where'd it go? I'm going to have to find it. It was the one that. Uh... Oh, yeah. This. So this aspect. So here it is. So you, you, you paraphrase a good chunk of it. But the last thing that I'm going to read here, I want your thoughts. Uh, I don't know what's going to quote. This is Lombardi. I don't know what's going to happen, but for June 14th, we're really happy with where he's at. There's some muscle memory that we have to overcome. He's used to doing things a certain way, and we're presenting a new way of doing things, close quote. So there, there was more said on the matter, but what do you suppose to drill into that a little bit deeper when we talk about the muscle memory and some of the new things that they're trying to uh, basically get Russell Wilson doing? What do you suppose some of that stuff might be? It's so hard to say without being in the room and, and knowing the inner workings of the Broncos offense, but maybe just speculating here, Russell has a tendency or a habit to kind of keep the play alive or run into danger or put himself in situations where the play could go backward. And they're teaching him to get rid of the ball faster, find your number one target, find your hot read. And they're just scheming him better ways to do things. Unlike Nathaniel Hackett, who probably had Russell Wilson put on weight last year to become a pocket passer like Aaron Rodgers. So Russell Wilson is leaner, he's meaner, he's determined, and maybe also a little more disciplined in his reads and his progressions. That's my guess. 
And by the way, that's definitely not by accident. I mean, Russell Wilson's weight loss and his kind of new body shape is definitely by design. Um, that's something that Sean Payton quickly diagnosed, I think. All right. This is me educated guess here as a not the but a reason Russell Wilson uh, had some of the struggles that he did last year, specifically with the injury bug and just not looking quite as, uh, you know, twitchy with his with his feet but you're right it's really hard when you start trying to think well what could they be what could Lombardi be talking about what's new I mean we're talking about a quarterback nine-time pro bowler won a Super Bowl going into his 12th year what could be so new other than scheme right like what is it that they're really getting at and uh, no one really followed up on that component of uh, what Lombardi had to say but I got to think that yes some of it has to do not so much with like specific technique like as far as drop back stuff you know throwing motion stuff not really or footwork not necessarily that stuff maybe footwork well i don't know for sure but i think it's more like you were hinting at there's zach or, or or groping at which would be like you know how how you're reading the field there were so many times last year zach it was like straight up alarming how like it seemed like half of his vision was just like cut off like he, how many times did I mean? I can think of right now, just off the top of my head, four or five instances, real big moments, critical key situations in games where he straight up just didn't see Cole a streaking Stanford. wide open guy that would have either moved the chains, scored the touch. And I mean, holler to KJ Hamler about that, yeah. right? With the with that loss to the Falcons, that pitiful, ugly loss. So maybe it is more like the cerebral stuff. So when he's talking about muscle memory, he's using it. Um, you know, it's, it's more of a more of a metaphor. It's more figurative. Yeah, I mean, Russ has built his career around playing backyard football, and that's worked for him in his 20s and early 30s. But now he's in his mid-30s, and his athleticism has dipped just a little bit. It's what happens with father time. So he can't be as free as he maybe wants to be. He'll have multiple reads, and they won't all be deep shots down the field. He'll have players streaking underneath. He'll have slants uh, being run and, and ways to get rid of the football faster. Or drilling into his head that this is going to be a run first smash mouth offense. And Russ, we're going to build you off the run, not the other way around. I liked uh, also, I'm going to pull it up real quick. I liked also uh, Vance Joseph was asked about, uh, was asked about Russ and uh, sorry guys, I got to do it this way now because StreamYard uh, is a pain in the butt lately. Um, but when, uh, and I thought this was interesting, Zach. This is something Vance Joseph said, broad daylight, camera was on, it's up on the actual video press conferences. For whatever reason, PR omitted this section from his uh, transcribed remarks. Read into that what you will. I don't know. It's kind of weird. But here is what uh, Vance Joseph said when asked about his take on, you know, Russ and can he turn the ship around, da-da-da. Quote, well, that's coach's job, obviously, but I played against Russ the last four years being in that division, the, the NFC West. He's always been a winner. He's a guy that can make plays with his legs and his arms, close quote. So kind of a – with the exception, Zach, of his uh, anecdote about competing against him for so many of those years in uh, Arizona, pretty pretty canned and bland answer from, from VJ, but um, – I think people, are, the, the the coaches themselves, including Sean Payton, have kind of really undersold 
just the whole Russell Wilson obsession thing that is taking place outside the building. When it gets brought up to them, it's kind of more of a, well, like you're asking us, is Russ going to turn the ship around? And we're sitting here going, we might as well have been asked, is the sky blue? Is water wet? You know, like to us, it, to me, Zach, it seems like they're perceiving those kind of questions as basically matter of course. Like they're not even tripping on it. I think you're 100% correct, and I think it's intentional, Chad, the way they're underselling him and kind of building, uh, breaking him down to build him back up. Sean Payton said that directly, you know, the things that happened last year are not going to happen this year, and I'm going to coach Russell Wilson hard. He's not going to have the entourage. He's not going to have the exclusive access. He's not going to be above the team. And every answer they've given since then has made it seem like Russ is one of the 53 because he is. He might be the quarterback. He might be the star. He might be worth $250 million, but he is one of 53 players. So I think that tough love approach has been an edict issued by Sean Payton on down from Vance Joseph to every other positional and assistant coach. Ronald, hold, hold up. Hang tight just for a second. Grabbing this one from Gary because it's still within the pocket of the subject we're currently on. GLP, thank you for the super chat, big dog. So great to see you tonight. A legendary super chat superstar. He says, hey, Chad and Zach, I'm excited to see what Russ looks like. Hashtag Buckham. So are we, man. It's going to be fun. Like, I just don't think that uh, the histories uh, have been completed yet as far as Russell Wilson's concerned. I think he's, when, it, when it's all said and done, I have a sneaking suspicion that, Zach, he's going to get the last laugh. He, he can't quite literally play worse than he did last year that was the ultimate aberration when it comes to a former star quarterback just going downhill it doesn't happen like that I fully believe it was Nathaniel Hackett the injuries in the situation not to take Russ off the table when it comes to blame he was partly to blame as well but now you have an actual head coach in charge now you have an actual offensive genius in charge and they're healthy They've upgraded the supporting cast, most importantly, the O-line, and it's up to Russ now. They've made him look in the mirror. They've made him lose weight. They've broken him down, and they're in the process of doing that, again, to build him back up. So I think we're going to see a huge bounce back from Russ, and I'm not saying that because I'm wearing this hat. I'm saying that as an uh, objective observer of Russell Wilson throughout his career. He didn't go that downhill that that fast. No way. Agreed. Um, guys, we're at basically 40 minutes, so – any burning topics that maybe we haven't covered over the last three days that you want uh, us to break down, get it in the chat um, so we can try and, and take care of you before we end tonight's stream. But Ronald, thank you for your patience, my friend. Really great to see you in the chat tonight. Appreciate you. He says, Hey guys, does Sean have a history of picking up really good players cut by other teams before the season begins? <clears throat> Pardon me to help the roster. Thanks. Zach, I don't know how much of New Orleans Saints uh, waiver wire, you know, bottom of the roster stuff you're uh, educated on, but what do you know? It's funny because Sean, his last question today in his presser, he talked about um, if the Broncos would be interested in free agents when training camp begins or during camp. And he told the story of when he was in um, New Orleans, and I'll quote him here. I have the quote pulled up. We weren't looking for Taysom Hill when we found him. We were looking at another receiver for a practice squad position. We kept watching the film. This was 1130 at night. I finally call Saints VP slash GM um, of, of college personnel, Jeff Ireland, and said, who is this number seven? He tells me it's Taysom Hill. 
I asked him to bring me all of his tape. A day later, we put a claim in and we were awarded Taysom Hill. That doesn't stop. This is the good part here. The hay is never in the barn relative to things like that. So he's leading you on to say that there's not going to be many signings happening now, but when rosters are cut from 90 to 53, one massive cut this year, not two, they're going to be scouring and turning over every rock. And I would imagine they add a few more players by the time week one rolls around. Yeah, look, Ron, I'm not going to lie to you and pretend like I know all of the uh, vaunted history of Sean Payton and Mickey Loomis's uh, roster um, machinations over the years in New Orleans, but just based on what we've seen so far, just what we know purely and only about his uh, Bronco tenure, this is a roster that's going to be constantly being massage so to speak the 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 bottom of the roster churning is going to be i think zach a constant and i think generally speaking in the nfl it's a it's a constant you know those last two or three guys man on the 53 and those last two or three guys that are on the practice squad man they're always they're never sleeping quite right because they know that they could be bounced uh, at a given moment and in many cases they they often are so in with, with sean payton look going into a six-week break nothing's happening right now you're not going to see tryouts. You're not going to see workouts. You're not going to see any of that. When the cleats hit the grass for training camp, attrition begins. I mean, just look at what they've been doing the last three weeks uh, of OTAs. And then, you know, a little bit more intense this week with it being the mandatory mini camp and really the last event of the offseason training program. But when intensity climbs a little bit, what happens? It comes at a cost. Guys start getting dinged up. Drew Sanders, minor, minor banged up. Marvin Mims, minorly uh, banged up. And then, of course, Samaj P. Ryan, minor thumb injury is going to be fine. But you extrapolate that on the levels of intensity that, uh, that accompany training camp, and there's going to be a lot of, Zach's going to love this, bodies that hit the floor, so to speak, okay? Uh, hashtag drowning pool in the house. So Sean Payton is definitely going to make use of uh, – you know, when those moments come and just seeing, even when it's not injury-related, Zach, and guys are getting cut around the league. I mean, as you know, in the NFL, teams don't don't wait until the mandated deadlines to start making cuts and trims. And, you know, one guy gets cut because they see a, a better option that's out there available. And that guy they cut just happens to be, Zach, a better option than the guy you got right now, so you swoop him up. Those type of things, and especially with Sean Payton, who's – very much, we've already talked a lot about it tonight, his nuance, his attention to detail. He's very much a tinkerer, and I think that is a, uh, you know, that's a ship that George Payton is going to be more than happy to, to, to get on board. Man, again, that happens, Chad. You took my thought. George Payton's the exact same way. He's been tinkering with the roster since he's been GM and always churning it, like you said, and uh, finding the 53rd player, 52nd player. But look at Sean Payton's history in New Orleans when it comes to kickers, for example. He went through yeah. nine in his first 10 years on the job. What does he do when he comes to Denver? He cuts Brandon McManus, the last link back to SB50. Look at Demarie Crockett, Chad. He was cut twice in, I think, 13 days. They're yep. going to keep doing that. And even though there's no official cut-down deadline from 90 to, what was it, 75 last year, they're going to get a jump on that ahead of time, like you said, before 53. And when those cuts are made throughout the league, starting probably next month, I guarantee you they're going to pick someone else up. Lawrence, bro, more stars throwing down. He's just living it up. Uh, championship City USA. Let's hope the, the Broncos can uh, can keep that rolling. 
been so great to see the Avs get it done. It's great to see the Nuggets finally get over the hump for the first time in franchise history. Could it be, Zach, a foreshadowing of the Denver Broncos? Because, like, how crazy would it be? And I know it's getting delayed right now. I don't know why it's doing this. It drives me crazy why the the camera or whatever it is, the bandwidth, streaming has got to get there, you know what, together. But is it really that far outside the bounds of the plausible that a Super Bowl winning head coach could lead a team quarterbacked by a Super Bowl winning guy to a Super Bowl victory in his first year. Gary Kubiak did it. He wasn't a Super Bowl winning guy, but he came into Denver as a new transplant. Uh, not new to being a head coach, but new to being a head coach in Denver. Won a Super Bowl in his first year. Is it probable? No. Is it plausible? I submit to you that it is, in fact, plausible. Yeah, anything can happen. And um, I, I don't know. I would settle for a playoff appearance at this point. I would love oh, yeah. to just cover one playoff game or a winning record. I mean, I know it's not the Pat Boland standard, but we haven't experienced that in seven years now, so it's time. It, it, I don't see the Broncos winning a championship this season. I'll be just completely honest with you, but I would not be surprised if there's a massive turnaround. In fact, I'm expecting that. I'm expecting 10 or 11 wins because you have everything in place. Russell Wilson will play better. The defense is already top 10, and Sean Payton's one of the best head coaches of this generation. They'll be a much improved team, and that's all we can ask for for 2023. All right, Keith, what's going on, big dog? Great to have that chat with you the other night on uh, your podcast. That was really fun with you and Albert and uh, Jody getting to meet Jody. That was cool, buddy. Uh, Keith says, can Russ average two and a half sacks? So taking two and a half sacks per game or less. He's only done it once. He his uh, injured 2021 season. Um, I mean, can he? A big part of it is Russ and just like the holding on to the ball too long stuff and the backyard mentality i think sean payton will try and coach some of that out but he's you also got to be careful of reaching the point of diminishing returns on trying to coach that out zach because with russell wilson therein so often lies a lot of the magic that he's able to create so it is kind of a tightrope situation but the broncos offensive line i mean we won't know until we know but it's it's got the personnel to be a top 10 unit pff you know ubiquitous lists and rankings of the offseason they ranked the uh, Broncos O-line 11th in the league. Uh, if th if this is a top 10 or 11 offensive line, Zach, in 2023, does Russ get sacked more or less than two and a half times a game? I mean, it, it's a tough question to answer because things change on a game-to-game -game basis or a play-by-play -play basis. So many Broncos fans, you know, crucify Russ for taking sacks or leading into sacks, but I saw more times than I can count last year where a defensive lineman was in Russ's lap in literally half a second. That's not on him. He's always going to play his brand of football, and that's maybe one of the things I talked about earlier, cutting that out, the muscle memory of holding on to the ball, making something happen. They're trying to change that. But when you look at last season, the Broncos led the NFL with 63 sacks allowed in 17 games. I wouldn't venture to say a majority of those 63 were a result of Russell Wilson holding on to the football. It, it was a result of not having competency pretty much at all five positions, injuries yeah. and just ineffectiveness. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, Ben Powers, a returning Garrett Bowles, 
We wonder about Cushionberry, but you have Quinn Miners still there. They could be top 11. If they are, Russ won't get sacked as often as he did. That's all I care about. I mean, think about this. Uh, Peyton Manning, the most he was ever sacked in a single season was his fourth year. All right, so this was 2001. Zach, he was sacked 29 times. As a Bronco, he was sacked 21 times in 2012, then 18 times the year he won MVP, then 17 times, and then in the Super Bowl season, which he missed a good chunk of that with his foot injury, he was sacked 16 times. So Russell Wilson, relative to an all-timer like Peyton Manning, in more ways than one. I mean, Peyton Manning, arguably, he and Tom Brady, arguably, even though they're both known as pocket statue guys, and maybe that's why, uh, two hardest guys to sack in the league just because they could pre-snap diagnose where things were coming from. They had preternatural uh, spidey senses in the pocket, that alarm bell in their head when it was time to unload. I mean, all those things for them, it was like supernatural uh, attributes that they possessed on that front. Whereas with Russell Wilson, look, he's never been the pocket guy. He thought he could hang. He thought if he was given the opportunity to just be that pocket guy, man, he could hang some skins on the wall. But we learned, and he learned, Zach, unfortunately, the hard way, when he was given the keys to the kingdom, he was woefully unprepared to wear the crown. And so fast forward to now, I think Sean Payton recognizes those things, some of those limitations. But that's that's the problem with Russ. Again, I, I circle back to this, and thank you for the topic, Keith. You know, you can try to coach some of that out of him, the holding on to the ball too long stuff. And I think the but you got to be careful not to completely try and snuff it out because that's where a lot of his big plays come from. If I'm that coaching staff, I'm figuring out, Zach, how to coach him up on this topic of holding on to the ball too long. I'm trying to coach him not to bail the pocket too quickly, which we saw a lot last year. Like he ended up bailing really, really quickly, sometimes too soon, often running into pressure and running into bad situations. Somehow, Zach, trying to figure out how to coach that aspect out of him while still balancing you know, when he does break the pocket. I mean, if you think back to a lot of his biggest plays in his career all time, they come from broken play type situations. Here's the thing, though. Peyton was the king of the self-sack. You remember that? As soon as a uh, a streaking linebacker yep. or defender came near him, he would go down and take the sack. That was a, a quarterback, un, you know, creating a sack that was ultimately charged to the O-line. Russell Wilson, as you mentioned, more often than not, he tried to extend the play or bail from the pocket because he had to. He had happy feet. He was seeing ghosts back there, a la Sam Darnold, because the O-line was so porous. The O-line was so bad that literally, if you watch the film, Cushenberry was falling down. Dalton Reisner was just a, a turnstile. He had no choice but to extend the play. And I think the message they sent to him was, listen, Russ, we got you a much better guard. We got you a much better tackle. There's no excuses now. You have to get rid of the ball and not take those sacks and put yourself in a situation where you could get dinged up. Remember, he had three injuries last year. Yep. Uh, Phil, <clears throat> pardon me. Did I read Baron Browning will start on the pup list? What happened to him? Yes, he will. We learned, Zach, from Sean Payton this week. In Since you had the article for us, exp yep. uh, break down what's going on uh, with Browning. Unfortunately, Baron Browning suffered a meniscus injury during phase two of the Broncos offseason program. He has a partially torn meniscus uh, for which he underwent surgery and he's going to be starting the season on the PUP list, according to Sean Payton. So not ideal for sure, uh, because he was a starting outside linebacker with a lot of upside, but he will return at some point. And fortunately, the Broncos have a veteran they can slide in 
opposite Randy Gregory and Frank Clark until Baron Browning is healthy. It was a big reason. It was it basically precipitated the yeah. Frank Clark move. Uh, David, yes, indeed. And thank you for another super chat tonight, my friend. Really means a lot to us. He says, Peyton said that evaluation of talent is a 360, <clears throat> 365 thing, which it is. You know, the best teams in the league master uh, that process over 365. Shout out to Albert in the house, too. Good to see you uh, with his wife, Michelle's account, the Mile High Duchy. Mike throwing down some huge stars to close things out this evening. Really, really appreciate that, Mike. And uh, especially this time of year, we're on the brink. I mean, we're staring it in the face, the actual NFL desert, the six weeks of languishing, nothing going on, drafts over, free agency's over, OTAs are over, there's nothing. Uh, and so that's going to that's gonna help uh, cushion us getting started. So really appreciate that, Mike. You are a prince, my friend. Um, Zach, one last thing here, and then uh, let's let's dip on out of here. I saw one from I saw one from Greg. I want to grab real quick because Greg is so consistent, always with us every single night. Just about he says, "Is Garrett Bowles fully healthy and a full go for training camp?" He is a full go, fully healthy. One thing to remember is not to make light of it, but this wasn't like a ligament issue. This was a broken leg. And it happened relatively uh, early, Zach, in the season. He suffered that week five. So he's good to go. I mean, not to say that they're not going to be keeping an eye on him and maybe taking some precautions, but he's he's good to go. And say what you want about Garrett Bowles, but I think one of his strongest qualities is his durability or at least his uh, his tolerance for pain. Remember, was it in 2017 or 2018 when he was carted off? And we I, thought it was, he broke his his year. it was his second year. We thought he broke his ankle and he was on the practice field like two days later. So he's yeah. a really tough guy and uh, no ligament damage. A broken bone is easier to come back from than a torn ACL, for example. So he'll be, you know, 100% ready to go. And he's excited, Chad, about working with Mike McGlinchey. As well, he should be. Uh, but guys, that's going to do it for tonight. We got a few messages for you, though, before you dip. So don't leave quite yet. I want to just get this comment really quickly from Michael Reeves, who is a newer name to the podcast. He asked me asking about Benny Snell, one of the tryout players. Um, just as an aside, I saw that uh, Mike Kliss reported that the Broncos are not going to sign any of their tryout players, including Randy Bullock and Benny Snell. Not now, maybe later. So he's not on the team yet, Michael. Uh, he might be in the future, but not now. But that's going to do it, guys, for the MHH pod, another outstanding edition of the podcast. If you're not doing so, follow us on Twitter at the MHH pod. Leave the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle. Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL, and Scott, our producer at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merchandise like we rock each and every podcast, go to mhhmerch.com and check that out. On Facebook, follow us, like us on facebook.com slash pod. And you're on Instagram, follow us at mile underscore high underscore huddle on Apple Podcast. Make sure you're leaving your football pre-save five-star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every single freaking month. But if anything, please, guys and gals, subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. That it does. Much love and respect to these great Super Chat superstars and supporters tonight. David McElrath, Michaela Israel, David Wilder, Ronald Putnam, uh, Gary Palmer, Mike Ronquillo, George Fox, Troy Boer, Phil McLaughlin, Lawrence Rivera, Keith Brugman. Much love and respect. Appreciate each and every one of you. Uh, we're off till Sunday night, but uh, don't miss the content tomorrow morning. You've got Legends of Mile High 
Thomas Hall. You got Dove Valley Deep Divers. You got the Orange and Blue View Saturday night. And then Zach and I will look forward to talking with you again on Sunday. Have a great weekend, y'all. We'll see you Sunday night. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.